I believe in equality of opportunity. Equality of opportunity is not segregating children. I went to a grammar school. It's what got us where we are today. What we need is investment in all of our schools. A good school for every child, not this selection. Um, so hello, and as you might have gathered from that audio clip introduction, um, today's topic will be one that is very heavily debated, and I will be talking to you all about grammar schools. Um, to start, I will talk about what they are, a little bit about their history, um, whether they work, and then what we should do about them, and then finally the politics of them and the debates going around politics that keep coming up in political agendas. So as you heard in that introduction clip, um, this is a very debated topic with that audio being from a debate a few years ago in the House of the Parliament between Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn. Um, and they represented the kind of two sides of the debate of this topic, with one side being a belief that these schools are meritocratic and that they provide equal opportunity um, to kids for higher education, regardless of their background or their class. Um, and the other side of this debate questioning, well, why are some students deserving of a better education than others based off of their intelligence? Why do they deserve a better education? So having been to a grammar school myself and coming from a lower middle class background, I found myself asking the very same questions that keep coming up in these political debates. And that is fundamentally, are grammar schools worth it? And do they really help these lower class students or are they just dominated by rich kids buying their way in? And do grammar schools really deserve a seat at the table worth education politics do grammar schools deserve a place in this debate and these points are all worth discussing because this is not a debate that has gone away in the uk in recent, and even in recent years this is a debate that has lasted decades but it keeps coming up time and time again so it is worth talking about and as heard in this introduction theresa may was a serious advocate of bringing back grammar schools a few few years ago and she even had it in her conservative manifesto so this is again something that needs to be talked about and she repeatedly said in another one of her speeches on education how meritocracy was a fundamental right in the UK and that it was what we needed to drive education because of her belief and this is to quote her it's opportunity for young people to go where their talents take them but is this really true and is this really the case with grammar schools first things first before we can actually go into the political debates of grammar schools it's really important to talk about the history of grammar schools and what they actually are and how they've come into be what they are today um so grammar schools were created with the idea of giving working class kids with good grades a fair shot at attending a better school um with other students all of a similar academic level to themselves um, grammar schools are not new. They have existed for centuries, um, but they really reached their peak in the 1900s um, with the introduction of the Tripartite Education Act in 1944, um, which created more grammar schools, comprehensive schools and technical schools. Um, but grammar schools really took off in the second half of the 1900s. Um, and they reached a peak of over 1,000 grammar schools at one point in time. Um, but however, in the 1960s and 70s, there started to be an increase in the debate of whether grammar schools worked. And there were some government changes in the 60s and 70s that saw a decline in grammar schools. Um, but the final piece of legislature in grammar schools was in 1997, in which there was a rule introduced that no new grammar schools could be made and that only the remaining 163 grammar schools in 1997 could stay open. Um, so these schools exist with the idea that you can sit a test when you're 11 years old, it's optional. And then based on your results from that test, you can go to these grammar schools. And that, in theory, only the best of the test can get in and that this allows students of higher intelligence to be around students of similar intelligence and that they can move on to more difficult content quickly and that the teacher can focus on teaching this higher content 
because they aren't having to make sure that the lower level students understand the basics before moving on. So this in principle was to allow working class kids with good grades the chance to academically grow in conditions they wouldn't normally be able to access to. Because this is a free school and but supposedly of a higher teaching standard, like more similar to a private school that working class kids don't have access to. And this in principle is a pretty good idea. It's kind of similar to like an American dream that someone regardless of their background can really achieve anything if they put in the work, they have the potential and that these grammar schools are simply championing them on and it gives them this springboard to achieve their full potential that they wouldn't otherwise be able to have access to. Or at least that is the story that grammar schools like to sell. Research shows that this really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, grammar schools are predominantly used by the rich and are rigged to filter out working class students. Uh, firstly, the grammar school test called D11 Plus is notoriously unlike anything else taught in regular schools. Um, and it's supposed to measure intelligence through verbal reasoning and not plain literacy or maths that you are taught in school. It's supposed to measure intelligence but beyond what you are taught in the classroom. Um, and it's supposed to be supposedly untutorable. But it has been found that up to, in some regions, up to 80% of students have received tutoring for these exams. These schools have quotas as well. And for example, in the case of some grammar schools, they'll only accept, for example, the top 120 students who accept the exam. Um, so therefore, a working class kid with the same baseline intelligence as a kid who has been tutored really doesn't stand a chance as the child with tutoring will knock them out of their top 120. So this test is quite rigged towards the working against the working class because they don't they can't compete with these kids that have had tutoring and with tutoring costing an average of 24 pounds an hour this segregates children into those who can indirectly buy their way into a grammar school and those who cannot which completely undermines the principle of equal opportunity how is there equal opportunity if other kids have a higher access to um, tutoring than others so for example if you're a single mum on welfare with children the absolute maximum benefits you're entitled to is 20,000 a year so with so many children on the breadline, £24 an hour, which is the average for tutoring, is not even remotely an option for so many of these working class kids. So they can't even get tutoring to get into the schools, which all of these middle class kids do have access to. OK, um, but tutoring aside, you could argue, that, but still the really intelligent working class kids will get in and they can still beat the kids that for example, have a lower baseline, but still had tutoring. Like These working class kids that are just naturally more intelligent can still get in. And this, in theory, is true. The brightest working class kids will do better on the test than a less intelligent child who has had tutoring. But then this really raises a different question of why would a working class family want to send their child into a lion's den of rich children? 13% of those who attend grammar schools previously went to a private school. And only 0.4% of students in grammar schools have been welfare recipients for over nine years. So these are the barriers that we don't talk about beyond the test itself and academics that could force an intelligent working class student to not want to go. If every other student is incredibly wealthy and there is only one child on welfare, it's presumable that they will feel like the odd one out and they will feel very isolated due to just different life experiences based on their class background and money. It's conversations such as where did you go on holiday over summer and having most students presumably answer things like Thailand or Australia or Mexico and there only being one student in the classroom having to say nowhere because their family's on welfare and all their spare money goes on food. These are the hidden financial barriers throughout grammar schools that we don't talk about and that systematically isolate lower class students because of these hidden financial barriers. So with grammar schools being predominantly of children from wealthy backgrounds, 
it's presumed that there's this ideology, this culture and value of the rich that dominates the culture of grammar schools as well. And this can probably lead to many working class kids feeling secondary and that their values don't matter or that they're not even welcome. And this is somewhat true with one survey finding that working class students who attended a grammar school in Liverpool, um, their accent was made fun of and it was seen as comical and it was seen by the other students as less intelligent because it wasn't the standard English that the middle class students spoke with. So these students were segregated even in how they spoke. And that is how deeply rooted the dominance of upper class values is. It's so deeply entrenched that there is a main form of language and that any language that deviates is seen as less intelligent or less welcome. So this just creates this idea of this segregation of working class kids and that they aren't welcome. So linking back to this earlier point in theory, yes, most intelligent working class kids could go to these schools and they can pass the tests and beat those who have had tutoring. But it really begs the question, is academics worth this? Is it worth being seen as lesser and holding this outsider status despite it being a free school? And can the grades really make this deviation worth it? So now that I've painted a pretty bleak picture of grammar schools, um, and it's worth mentioning that this experience and um, this point about grammar schools will not be universal for all working class students. Some of them will thrive in, in grammar schools and some of them will very much enjoy it. Um, but the main question to ask is, do grammar schools even work? If these working class students are going to attend grammar schools despite this cultural divide, then surely it must be worth it academically. Um, but this is really not the case. All research points towards grammar schools having no influence over improving academics. Grammar schools have no value-added score, which means that they would have attended just as good grades had they attended otherwise, and a, so a regular comprehensive school, and vice versa. These students who attended comprehensive schools would have achieved just as good grades had they attended a grammar school. So they actually make no difference in the grades these students achieve. Um, the only reason grammar schools could appear more successful is because they do achieve 1.5 times higher passing grades at GCSEs, so the exams you sit when you're 16, than regular comprehensive schools nearby to grammar schools. So in relative terms, yes, grammar schools do appear more successful. But a point that scholars and politicians often don't look into that much is, of course, grammar schools going, are going to have a higher percentage of good grades if all of their students were already top of the class when they arrived. And of course, in relative comparison to regular comprehensive schools, they will do better because they have robbed these comprehensive schools of the smartest students in the room. So, of course, they're going to appear better. It's because they have all the smart students anyway, who were achieving these passing grades regardless of what school they attended. And as mentioned by Jeremy Corbyn in the introduction to this um, podcast is why is there the presumption the UK should only offer a good education to a select few students? This is a big problem with grammar schools because grammar schools attract the better teachers, the better contracts and the better facilities because the students are supposedly more intelligent and it's easier to teach there than a regular comprehensive with a collection of students with a lower academic track record with some students even struggling to tell the time in the UK. So teachers tend to go to a grammar school because they can focus on the harder content and they're not having to teach the core basics for a prolonged amount of time. So this links to the question Jeremy Corbyn asked of why perpetuate this gap? Why abandon the children in these comprehensive schools that need the most help? And why are only the more intelligent students in these grammar schools entitled to more investment and better education? Or because of a two hour exam they sat when they were 11 years old? 
Grammar schools have been proven that they don't help these start smarter students achieve better grades. But there is a theory to suggest that lower intelligence students in regular comprehensive schools benefit from having these smarter students in the classrooms themselves. And they would also benefit from having this better teaching staff and the better resources that grammar schools keep getting. So why do grammar schools exist if they keep perpetuating this gap? They help. They don't help the smart students, but they there is evidence to, to suggest they penalise the less intelligent students at comprehensive schools. So why do they exist if this is the system? If they were built to help the working class, why do they still exist if they keep punishing the working class? So this punishment of the working class is also further exaggerated when you consider the people who live in the regions around grammar schools. Research has shown that areas with high levels of grammar schools in a region actually increases the wealth gap. So grammar schools in a region where there is a high level of grammar schools, it makes the rich richer and the poor around them even poorer, which again reinforces this unequal access to grammar schools in the first place with this idea of culture and tutoring. It just keeps widening the gap and it keeps making them more and more catered to middle class students than to the working class. So why are they kept? A, so this really begs the question of why is this still a topic in the political arena? Grammar schools don't serve the working class event in any way. Only 0.4% of students in grammar schools have been on welfare for over nine years. And there is this reinforcing mechanism of social inequality in the surrounding areas that can be seen in the income gap and in who attends these, uh, these schools. So whilst they fail the working class, all research also indicates that they actually have no academic purpose and they serve no benefits. So the expansion of grammar schools was prohibited 25 years ago, but it's still a recurring debate. But why is this the case? Like, Why do grammar schools keep coming back if they don't help the working class in any way? They don't improve grades and instead they negatively impact the working class. Why do they exist? And I think this can all link back to one of the opening statements from Theresa May. I went to a grammar school. It's what got us where we are today. And this is true. With politicians being overrepresented in attending grammar schools, 17% of MPs went to a grammar school themselves, compared to only 5% of the population. So it's really hard for a politician to vocally oppose the issue that they were involved in. And this is such a contested political debate because British education needs reforming. It needs reforming at all levels. It has been failing for years for ethnic minorities, the working class and different geographical regions. Education itself as, an, as a collective in the UK is crumbling and grammar schools are just a small part of the debate. So when this education reform comes in the UK, it's inevitable. There will be an education reform at some point in time and there will be conversations surrounding working class versus upper class attainment grammar schools will be a part of this conversation they will be a debate that keeps coming up they have for the past 25 years so it's going to come up again it came up again in Theresa May's manifesto so this again is not something that's going to go away and whilst yes there are only 163 grammar schools open and this is in the grand scheme of things a relatively small issue but then there is a problem of what happens if they decide to let these schools expand what happens if more get built so this is why we need research into grammar schools and for them to be discussed further and discussed by the public. This debate keeps coming up. It comes up every few years and there's been reforms in the 40s, in the 70s and again in 1997. But as I mentioned, the last legislative legislature change was 25 years ago, but it still comes up again 25 years later and there is still discussion around this. So inevitably, this will come up again. So with all of this being said and everything considered, 
we need to link back to the very original question of why does such a large amount of politicians support the existence of grammar schools? Why are they so popular? Why do they still exist if they completely fail at all aspects of their goals? Why are they still spoken about? And I think this answer is so incredibly simple. I think it could be explained in a very lengthy discussion, in complex analysis, or in a parliamentary debate similar to what you heard from Jeremy Corbyn and Theresa May. Like This debate could last years if we really wanted to go into it. But I think there is one comment that just summarises this so well. And it was one that was said to me, age 12, from the girl who I sat next to every morning in tutorial. And it just summarises perfectly why grammar schools exist and what is the driving force behind keeping this open, them open from this upper class elitism. And I'll share with you what she said now. I'm only here because my parents wanted a free private school. And I think that point summarises it perfectly because it shows that these schools are built for the upper class. They serve the upper class and there is this cultural dominance and exclusion of working class kids that just shows how they are in effect a private school for free and that they serve the elites in a different way that they just never can to the working class. So with all of this being said, I just wanted to close this discussion on a note of how this is something to keep in mind because as I mentioned, this is a political debate that will come up time and time again. And it's just something people need to be aware of and discuss. And there needs to be more research. There needs to be more research into grammar schools and their ethnic minorities and genders and all of these factors and intersectionality that need to be considered. Um, but I hope you found this conversation very interesting. Um, and thank you very much for listening.